events and opportunities for involvement with Restore. So if you want to get in on that, you know, fill out a connection card and give us your email address and drop that in there. All right, let's dive in. So we're um, finishing up a series today that we're, we, it's called Movement. Week one was our first, uh, the first movement we made a couple weeks ago was to remind ourselves of the culture that God has formed in our church. We believe it's an ethos that is radically good news to us and to everyone else. Specifically, we think it's very contextual good news for Montgomery County, for people who live here. So the six elements of our culture are inclusion, authentic community, empowerment, justice, scholarship and restoration and we we talked about those um the entire first week as to what those mean so for the sake of brevity uh, i'm not going to recap all of those individually but at least at minimum go to our website and click on about restore and then our culture and you're going to get a snippet it'll take you about three minutes to read on each one of those as to what those mean because they have they are words that have been co-opted that have been misused a lot and we are uh, we are interested in the Christological uh, worldview of what those words mean. And you can get a snapshot of that on our website, or if you want to go deep dive this week, if you're like, hey, we're not having our worship gathering next week, let's go crazy. You can listen to our, if you go back earlier this year, like January, February, we had a series called We Are Restore. We did a sermon on each one of those. And so you can get a, a, a full like 30-minute teaching on what each one of those elements is. And we have felt God forming that, and then inviting us to go deeper into that and refining and polishing the edges off of that culture as we continue to figure out how to, how to look more like Jesus as a community. So we talked about <clears throat> that um, because that's how um, this movement is, is forming. Because what we believe is we are a missional church. So what that means is if you're a Christian, you're a missionary. You're a sent one. You are um, Christianity is not something necessarily that you... They first invite people into. So, for example, I think the American church has fallen into this habit of just inviting people to churches. But Jesus didn't say, uh, stay and make them come to you. He said, go and make disciples. So that's what living on mission means. And so when we have this culture that is formed in us as a community, inclusion and empowerment and justice, this isn't just contained to a specific time frame on a Sunday morning or your household. Like, we don't compartmentalize our faith. We take this with us because it's a movement and it's an experience for people. And in a day and age and in a specific culture and county that is really not interested in Jesus, God, or church, sometimes for because they just don't know or sometimes because they've had really bad experiences in a church or with people who call themselves Christians, we have the opportunity to live out this culture as an experience. And when people get a taste of the kingdom, uh, through our actions and our words, that is really good news. And so that is our, our first movement, is acknowledging that our faith is not some sort of pitch. It's not like a Roman's road quote, or it's not an evangelistic marketing strategy. It's just an encounter with the Spirit of Christ, because he's living within us, and he's forming us, and he's refining us, and we carry that with us. And that is how more heaven comes to earth. So our vision as a church, as a movement, is the Lord's Prayer. It's thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what happens when we live out our culture in movements. Week two, we talked about the three words, listening, submitting, and following. And when it comes to living into and sharing that culture and that ethos with others, um, it's, 
a uh, we have to listen, submit, and follow. Like that's the the seeds of movement uh, happen when we do those three things. And we use this story from Luke. It's one of the accounts of the women uh, encountering the empty tomb um, and, and responding to that. And so the way it started was the women listened to the angel. All right, they they they're like they came to. Uh, view the body the body was gone and the angel said he's not here he is risen which is insane i mean what we believe is nuts that jesus rose from the dead so they had to process that they had to listen and let that sink in then they submitted to the instructions that the angel gave them he said go and tell the others about this keep in mind this culture is one that does not value women at all so not only is he giving them crazy news he's telling them you got to go announce this to everybody else. They, they delivered the first sermon. And so that was the, the fact that they even submitted to the instructions was another miraculous step. And they followed. They actually did it. Following is a physical action of response when you encounter Christ and his truth. And they went and told these disciples and, and this outrageous claim. And because of their willingness to listen, submit, and follow, a movement began. A movement that changed the world. And that's how movement happens. It happen, it's how it happens in your life individually. And it's how it happens outward when we listen, submit, and follow as a community. So we had some important news related to movement last week. Um, so again, for the sake of brevity, listen to the teaching from last week because there's a personal invitation for Advent. And there's also uh, some church news that we just want everybody to be in the know of, like exciting stuff happening. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about some other communal church news today. Uh, movement oriented <clears throat> uh, but listen to that it's on our website it's on the app this week the movement continues through the and we, we continue through the narrative of movement in the early church so Jesus rose the women listened to the good news of the resurrection they submitted to that belief and then they followed the instructions of preaching it to the disciples and now we fast forward to another movement that take, takes place it's the movement uh, that Christ sparked that took the me- his message beyond Israel and entered the rest of the world. So it's, it's, it's the movement that took the church from just Israel to the Gentiles and to the rest of the world. It's, it's, uh, and it started with two men, Saul and Ananias. And that's who, this, that's who we encounter today. So before we read, just a bit of context about Saul. In the Jewish world, in the Jewish culture, and religious culture, and he was a Pharisee, uh, very respected, educated, religious Jewish leader. He was also one of the main tormentors of Christians. He went around participating in the imprisonment and the torture and the murder of Christians. Not a good dude. Feared amongst Christian people. Ananias was kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. He was a loyal, devoted disciple of Christ and a Christian leader in the early church. So these two have an encounter with Jesus. And we're going to take a look at that in Acts chapter 9. And we're going to read verses 1 through 19. It's on page 765. So beginning of chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, the way was a term that was, uh, that was what they called the early Christians, the way. So it would be like calling it Christianity or the church. So who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey... Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. 
Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. And in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Basically what Ananias is saying is, are you crazy? Are you sure? Because this guy's nuts. I don't want to go talk to him. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house, and he entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and taking some food, he regained his strength. Oh, man, this is a crazy story. Um, Notice the seeds of movement that take place in this story. Saul and Ananias both separately heard from God and listened to it despite the fact that it was the complete opposite of their expectation of what they believed. Saul didn't believe in Jesus as Lord so he basically did a complete 180 and Ananias is like I'm doing everything I can to avoid that guy and you're telling me to go see him and lay hands on him and become friends with him so it was just a complete flip-flop listening to the voice of God and actually letting the craziest news they might be able to imagine settle into their minds and hearts and then they submitted to the message of truth no matter how antithetical it was to their previous understanding and worldview that's how jesus works he typically flips things around and pulls us deeper into a completely different worldview and understanding of culture saul thought jesus was a fraud now he thinks jesus is lord ananias thought Uh, knew Saul as a murderer of Christians and now this dude's going to be the missionary to the Gentiles like the the one that's going to introduce this to the rest of the world both of them submitted to that truth and they both followed they both responded with a physical action of obedience Paul went to the city and waited upon Ananias Ananias went to the city and laid hand or went to straight street and laid hands on Paul and healed him his sight was restored and a movement began all because they listened, submitted, and followed. And it's kind of like, you want to follow God? You want him to move in your life? Risk and uncertainty is a given. All right? It's not like a maybe. It just is. It's just going to happen. Listening, submitting, and following is the recipe for a movement. And so last week I spoke at length on a simple practice of listening, submitting, and following uh, the voice of God. Because it's kind of uh, mystical, like hearing from God, the thought of that. But we're approaching Advent, which is the season of expectation on the church calendar. So I would encourage you again to listen to the teaching from last week and respond because it's a method for understanding the voice of God and noticing him in your life. Um, And that's how movement begins in your life. Expect to hear from him. All right, season of expectation, expect to hear from God because he's constantly moving ahead of us 
and trying to invite us deeper into that. But a lot of the time, we just don't take the time to actually slow ourselves down, listen, no matter how crazy it may seem, submit to the truth, and then follow. And when we do that, it's a life-changing decision in which movement happens in our life. On a communal level, there's an RC movement, uh, a Restore Church movement that is continuing. And the listening, submission, and following of Saul and Ananias, it took the message from Israel to the world, took the message from the Jewish people to the Gentile people. And in a similar similar way, we see and sense God calling us to take this missional movement that began in Silver Spring five years ago and go from take this message and this truth and this experience of knowing Christ from Silver Spring to all of Montgomery County. So this is no longer just a Silver Spring missional movement. It's a, a Montgomery County missional movement. We have pockets of people that live in uh, downtown Silver Spring, Lightonsville, Bethesda area, Gaithersburg, Wheaton, Rockville, Cloverly. And I know I'm leaving some out, but we have pockets of people that live all over Montgomery County. And there, there are pockets of people living out that culture that we've talked about, inclusion and authentic community, empowerment, justice, scholarship, restoration, all over Montgomery County. And the term that's been running through my head for the last six months or so is faithful presence. Like God is calling us to be a faithful presence where we live, work, and play of that culture, of, being, of living as missionaries. And that um, God's spirit continues to refine us in those efforts. And we are, if you're new here, we are far from perfect. It won't take us long to disappoint you. I'll go ahead and say that. You might have walked in and be disappointed like, wow, it's really uncomfortable in here. We're all really close together. All right. That, that may have been the first, or maybe you don't like Folgers and we've got Folgers. So it, it could happen immediately. Uh, it might happen six, from, six months from now, but you're going to discover some imperfections. Um, but despite that, just like we see with Saul and Ananias uh, and the women, like people responding to the voice of God is never perfect. It is a mess. Right? It involves risk and uncertainty and like clarification and even like Ananias, like, are you sure? Are we talking about the same guy here? Like it's gonna, you're gonna wrestle with God and we do that as a community. So it's imperfect, but we still sense God calling us to do this on a larger scale. And our main vehicle and method of movement the past few years has been missional community. So if you're new, missional community is kind of what it sounds like. It's a community that lives on mission. Uh, it's groups and networks of relationships living in authentic community. So if you don't know what that is, you know, you can go check it out, like I said, but it's like Acts 2, like sharing, doing life together, that kind of a thing. That's, that's the, the beginnings of an authentic community. And in this authentic community, it's a group of people who are listening, submitting, and following the Holy Spirit into their workplaces, their apartment complexes, their neighborhoods, their relationships, uh, because as, as we talked about, the Great Commission is go and make disciples, not stay and make them come to you. And so we have attempted to learn how to live on mission these past five years. Uh, and we have learned a lot in the way of living on mission. And we have felt somewhat of a genesis lately of all these happenings and experiences and mistakes and gaps and voids and conversations uh, and experiences that God has brought together to teach us some things. And we've sensed and responded to I, what we believe is enormous clarity in being a missional movement and having healthy missional communities, reproducing missional communities. And so God has led us to, do some pra to institute some practices and some decisions that are immediately going to strengthen what we have now. So they're gonna, the current missional communities we have now, we believe 
very confidently that it's going to reinvigorate and inject life and energy into them. And it's also going to create and spark more movements and more replication uh, and more intentionality in these different pockets of people that live all over Montgomery County. So for, like, for a few examples, we've developed some tools and accountability practices that missional, com missional community leaders are going to begin to practice, and we know that's going to strengthen our MCs. We've made commitments to planning these movements in a more structured and intentional manner. So missional communities uh, and their leaders are going to missional community leaders are going to get together every three months and plan out the next three months. Like, okay, where do we sense God moving uh, in our community? Like, where do we sense Him um, refining us or calling us into a certain area or to certain people and planning it out? A response to that, and just getting super intentional about those movements. Uh, we're asking and inviting and opening more opportunities for leadership in Restore and in missional communities. Uh, as my grandpa used to say, many hands make light work. Uh, we need more people doing it, and we, we want it to be more inclusive and more empowering to people in our church about getting involved. In short, we've been really organic for five years, and now we're getting a lot more organized. Like that, We, we think that's really going to help. And if you're in an MC already and you have been faithfully, my challenge to you would be to listen, submit, and follow as we strengthen and expand this movement. Uh, ask yourself how you might serve the movement in this next season as we enter December, January, and February, the season of Advent, Christmas Tide, and Lent. And if you're new to Restore, I would challenge you to move from, if you're like, if you dig us, if you're kind of like, okay, I, I think God's in this because he's our lead pastor, Jesus is, and if you sense him leading in this church and you want to get further involved, I would really challenge you to go from Sunday morning attender to living in authentic community and being in a missional community. That's where life change is going to begin to happen. And that's where movement takes place in your life. And your presence empowers you and it empowers others. Like you bring strength and gifts to the, to the community that God has sensed we need. And if we can get more people responding to that, it's going to strengthen those missional communities. And therefore, it's going to bring more heaven to earth in all of Montgomery County. Um, I saw this quote, C.S. Lewis quote. I mean, what's a sermon without a C.S. Lewis quote, you know what I'm saying? Um, I don't even have it written down. I've got to read off the screen over here. Uh, he said this in a random book. I wish I could say I read it and highlighted it. I saw it on Twitter. Full <laughs> confession. Um, we have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief or any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. And as a matter of fact, if you examine a hundred people who had lost their faith in Christianity, I wonder how many of them would turn out to have been reasoned out of it by honest argument. Do not most people simply drift away? I just read that and I was like, man, that just reminded me of the power and the need for worshiping together on a Sunday morning, being involved in a missional community, and, and any other discipleship opportunities that present themselves. You may not feel it in that moment, but it is what feeds your faith. All right? And if you've drifted away from living in authentic community with other Christians, I would challenge you to reinvigorate that, to reignite that. Because I believe what he says. I think, I think C.S. Lewis was a smart guy, uh, and I think Jesus was even smarter. And Jesus says, where two or three are gathered, there I am also. So when we do that, we are eating and feeding and dining and just um, nourishing 
our faith. That's when something special and sacred happens. So um, December through, Jan- through February, get involved. Um, if you're not involved in a missional community, just write that on your connection card. You want to hear more about them. We have one that meets in downtown Silver Spring. We have one that meets in Lightonsville, Bethesda area, and we have one that meets in um, northern Montgomery County in the Cloverly area. So we have them all over the place. Uh, additionally, we've got the living room, which is what we're sitting in right now. We call this place the living room. It's a space that God has blessed us with. It's been utilized right now for our Sunday morning worship gathering. Uh, we, have bi- we have had Bible studies in here. We have a youth ministry that meets in here every, or, um, on Friday nights throughout the month. Uh, we have a pro bono law clinic, Claim, that uses this space on Saturdays. Um, it was pretty funny being at the, we had the parade yesterday and Brett showed up to do the clinic and he's like, what is going on? Like he had no idea about the Montgomery County parade. It was nuts down here. Um, but he still did the clinic. Uh, we've rented this place out for other events and meetings. Uh, but we also want this space to be used communally. Like we want to be really open handed with this space. Uh, it's a place that is warm and welcoming. Um, we want you to know you, you have the freedom to use this space for ministry. That's why we have a keypad entry system. Uh, we picked that specific one because if you let me know, hey, I want to have a coffee meeting here, or I want to do this book club every Monday morning, you give me the hours, you get a, a time-stamped code. You plug in the code, and you get in the, in the living room. Like, we want it to be the living room. Like, it's your home, too, and we want you to utilize it and feel free to do that. And we have incredible coffee. Like, I don't mess around with coffee. We have small batch roasted coffee beans. We have an AeroPress. If you don't know what that is, you need to step up your coffee game. But it's a great place to ha- have a coffee meeting. Aside from, we only serve Folgers on Sunday morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's a lot cheaper. Uh, <laughs> someone, uh, I got, I got uh, reprimanded for that this week. So that's going to change. We're going to start buying my order coffee for Sunday morning. So just so you know, I've, we've repented of that sin of, <laughs> of brewing Folgers. So that's going to be ending soon as well. Another exciting response to the movement of the Holy Spirit <laughs> in our community. Um, better coffee. Uh, but we want back to the living room. Think about how God might ask you to utilize this space um, for anything that you feel led to do because we, it's, it's an open door, literally. Uh, there's another movement in the making um, that I want to, it's in the making because we need continual feedback, questions, prayers um, as it's forming. And it's something we really hope you'll join us in that, like in praying and, and, and speaking into. For the last six months, we've been meeting here in the living room for our Sunday morning worship gatherings. We used to meet in the Fillmore concert venue. Then we met in McGinty's Pub. And now we've been, been meeting here. And meeting here has blessed us in a lot of ways. It's really eased our setup and teardown. It's just really quick and really lightweight. Uh, it allows us to linger afterwards. If you were at McGinty's, we had to be out like 20 minutes after our service is over, so it was like a beehive as soon as I said amen, and everybody was tearing down and running across the place, and it was, it was nuts. Here, we can just linger and hang out for conversations. Uh, it also saves us money. We don't have to pay for another venue. However, um, we're close to, if not breaking, fire code in here every single Sunday. Uh, so that's a problem, uh, and for us to be a movement, we have to actually create the space for people to get involved. That's going to happen through our missional community efforts. Sunday mornings is also a place where people will encounter our community for the first time. And if we can't create, we, we need to be very intentional in creating an open and comfortable and inviting environment. And we can't do that because we don't have enough space right now. We're, we're out. You can hear the, the kids in here banging and screaming and having a good time. Um, so we need more space. 
So we've been prayerfully considering, like, what's that mean? Um, we think we have found a place. We've been looking for a church uh, because a church is designed for a church to meet in it. So, you know, you meet in a bar or in a concert venue, that's a lot of setup and teardown because it's not set up for church when you've got preschool hanging out in the Viper room in the bottom of the Fillmore. All right, that's, it's a little bit different setup uh, meeting in a church. And it allows us uh, to, to, again, have minimal uh, setup and teardown. It allows us to have space and time to linger because it's not a restaurant or a concert. It's not a place of business that needs us to get out. We can hang out and enjoy our time. All of this has led us to pursue, and we want, and we want a permanent venue. Like we were hoping and praying that God would give us a place. Like this is our last move. Like this is a place where we could spend ten or fifteen years and grow because there's plenty of space for it. And we've been looking at this church called Grace Ascension. If you want to Google it, uh, it's half a mile from here. It's an Episcopal church. It's got really cool stained glass. Um, and we're getting closer to this decision. We we took another tour this week. We. Uh, met and, f- and uh, came to a kind of a financial agreement, agreement that we've yet to approve, but we kind of, s- I offered a lower number than they're asking, and they said they would accept it, but I didn't even know if we can afford it. I was like, okay, how low can I go for them to say yes? And now we got to look at our budget and see if we can actually afford it, because it's thin. We paid twelve fifty a week at the Fillmore. We paid four fifty a week at McGinty's. It's free here. We would pay two fifty a week at the church. So it's a smoking deal. We get three really big kids' classrooms. We have a meeting room that's about three times the size of the living room. So it's something we have plenty of space to grow into. Uh, We've got parking. We have on-site storage. Yes, that is such a big deal, on-site storage. And we have a sound system that's built in, so they already have that. So we just plug and play, Uh, and it's a great deal. But we're on a very tight budget. We don't have the money in our budget to do that, so we're prayerfully considering, like, do we, you know, do we go outside and raise funds for that? Or um, we're, we're monitoring our internal giving. So there's lots of factors that play into this. So, and there's also a big change that would ensue. So we're going to send out um, a doodle poll to all of our volunteer team, like people who are serving, and just share some of the, the major points of change to consider for this move because we want to hear from you, uh, questions, feedback. Um, we're really excited about it. If we do it, I told them we're going to let them know in early December, a yes or no. And if we do it, it'll probably be we move in February. It'll be the first Sunday in February that we would move into this new venue. That's what we're kind of targeting right now. So just just wanted to announce that publicly, even though we haven't finalized it, um, just so you can be praying and um, considering it and speaking into that. Because we are confident that God will speak through this and all of us to continue to move us deeper into his kingdom. And in turn, we know the amazing experience of Christ's love and truth will move deeper in Silver Spring Montgomery County and beyond. So let's pray, and then we're gonna we're gonna worship some more. Lord, thank you for the movements uh, of Scripture.